The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? One of the things that it becomes really frustrating that you cannot control the narrative, like the perspective of both, especially when you share children, what was an acceptable behavior before you separated is apparently no longer an acceptable behavior. And, you know, I say the people we marry are not the people we divorce. Mm-hmm. They're going, they're, they're just not the truth. Be the, it's right, not the same. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Nicole Sodoma. She is a family law attorney who has been divorced, loves marriage, and has some great insight and perspective for you guys on, you know, how to handle divorce, how to, you know, go into a marriage being prepared for any possible outcome. I know that anytime that we talk about these kind of taboo subjects, we can want to turn it off or walk away. But it's so important to be informed and sitting in the discomfort of this might illuminate something that you didn't know needed to be illuminated and help you um, better prepare for something in your life. And I'm sure many of you will have happy, successful marriages, just like I consider mine to be. Like I really do, looking back at the last 10 years of marriage with Evan, know that we had a successful marriage. It just didn't end the way that we thought that it would. And so in this episode, it's great to connect with Nicole for me because I don't know very many people who've gone through divorce or who are going through divorce aside from my parents, of course. So it was nice to connect with her on that level. But we talk about how to handle divorce with children. We talk about prenups. We talk about the, you know, emotional roller coaster that comes with divorce. And she has lots of helpful advice and and tips and tricks that um, I'm actually going to implement into my daily routine now. I also just want to add a little shout out to all of you guys who have been just so lovely and so empathetic and caring and sweet. I really appreciate it. You guys have been awesome throughout this whole journey. Um, looking forward to this week. We are moving into our new home finally this week. And I can't wait to bring you guys along with me for that and all good things. Lots of challenging things, but challenging things aren't necessarily bad things. They can be good things too. And with that, here's this week's episode with Nicole Sodoma. Y'all, I love that Nicole just brought up, she goes, how was, how was your closet episode received? And I'm like, closet, what are you talking about? And, and then I remember, yes, the episode where I just let everything come out about what was going on in my life. And it's so interesting because me coming out as gay in an open relationship with my husband was more well-received than the closet episode was. I think here's the thing. 
my following and my community has been with me since I was 17, 18 years old. And they have watched my life unfold. And I feel like they're so loyal and I love them for this. They're so loyal that they feel like they're right here in it with me. Like getting married, having kids, all of these major milestones, and they're super attached to it. And I love that. And so it was like when I announced my breakup, it was like we all had a collective breakup. Like we were like, everyone was like, no, it's going to work out somehow, some way. You can't get a divorce. You guys are perfect together. And as I was saying right before we started recording, if you would have asked anybody, my anybody in my family, we were married for 10 years, still are technically married. We're legally separated. I'm fi- filing for divorce currently, like as we speak. So in the very early stages of divorce. But if you would have asked anybody, anybody would have been like, no, they're going to make it. Like they're going to make it. And I really thought so too. And this is why you need to cross your T's and dot your I's when you get married. And that's why we're talking to Nicole today because I would have never thought, you know, I remember sitting on the beach with my ex-husband and I was 20 years old and we were about to get married. And I said, just promise me this because I came from a family with lots of divorce. My dad's been married and divorced seven, I mean, seven times or so. My mom's been married and divorced three times. So we're not talking one single divorce. We're talking like multiple divorces. Evan also came from a home of divorce. And I said to him, just promise me this. We'll work through anything. We won't get a divorce no matter what. And here we are. And you just never expect it. Like you just, I just, I didn't expect it. But what did you love about the closet episode? Oh, you know, your vulnerability in the closet and the way you described it, it was memorable. And yeah, I've been there. And I know that my clients have been there. And the backstory on me is I have a what what you describe is really similar to to where I've been. I'm a 22 year lawyer, and for 20 of those, I've only practiced in the area of family law. So family law, I make sure we speak the same language. Family law is the same as divorce attorney, right? Or domestic attorney. It just depends on where you are. And I say it's like on a good day, I'm a family law attorney, and on a bad day, I'm a divorce attorney. But really, we're all just doing the same thing. It just depends on where you are. So I also came from a family where divorce was my normal. And some things my parents did really, really well in making me feel whole and blended. And then other things they were terrible at. I mean, just terrible. And so here I was thinking, I too will never get divorced. I've learned so many lessons from my parents. Here are all the things you're never going to do. And they both have been married and divorced multiple times. And then I chose this area of practice and thought, oh, now I'm listening to, you know, hundreds and thousands of consults. Of, they're telling me their stories. So now I'm realizing what doesn't work. Yeah. So this is really perspective. And then, you know, one day I, I, I'd been married 10 years, 11 years, 13 years. When by the time we ended up getting divorced, it was 13 years. and um, then my perspective changed again because I realized that there were all these things that my clients weren't telling me Mm. and like they were filtering and censoring because I was now having these feelings and 
You can't unload to every single person you're talking to. Your attorney doesn't want to hear it. They were right about that because that makes for a very expensive counselor and we're not trained to do that. And then there were all these things that I realized that my, that my clients weren't being told. So I thought, okay, I have to, we have to lift the veil on this. Uh, one of the endorsers for my book, she said, it's lifting the veil. It's a dark veil on what divorce is. And we really have to have a candid talk about it. And uh, there's so many things that people don't want to talk about. So the first is, I don't know what your, your community has said, and I love how supportive they are, but the thing that made me the most crazy was when people would tell me they were sorry. Mm. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I thought of like, I don't really tell my clients that I'm sorry when they come to me. I'm like, okay, here we are. You know, whether it was your choice or somebody else's choice, we're here. So that was the first thing that I was like, okay, this has got to go. We have to come up with new words to support each other. And then the other thing that's been really fascinating, and I've said it forever, but it was until I got divorced that it really hit home for me is, Exactly what you just said, which is it takes two of us to sit on the beach and commit to each other and say, this is what we're going to do. But it only takes one of us to change that commitment. And exactly. It's like, and everyone goes like, what happened? Like how, and it's like both parties didn't decide to keep working on this. And I, you as the other person cannot force someone to commit to do something that they are just unwilling to do for whatever reason. And there are so many reasons why that happens. Well, and it could be anything. It could be a a job loss. It could be a death in the family. It could be, I mean, there, it could be um, an illness or it could be time or love or uh, a change in gender preference. It could be all of these things that people don't see coming or do see coming, whatever, however you want, but it takes two to say I do and one to say I don't. One thing that I know for sure is that healthy living takes effort and is more important than ever. Change can be hard, but existing habits are extremely powerful. This is where the new wellness brand Better and Better comes in. They embed better health and wellness into our existing habits and routines. How are they doing this? With science-backed two-in-one natural vegan toothpaste. Better and Better's toothpaste is formulated to the strictest clean ingredient standards with safe, gentle, vegan, natural, and organic ingredients that you'll recognize. They've removed all of the bad stuff. No SLS, no parabens, no GMO, no gluten, no harsh abrasives, and no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. And it's infused with a daily dose of vitamins that you need. Simply brushing your teeth, an already good habit that you're doing twice a day for two minutes with Better and Better's Energy Toothpaste, you get a microdose of vitamins, specifically vitamins B12 and D3, two of the most necessary and lacking vitamins for most people. The great thing about using Better and Better's Energy Toothpaste is that with vitamins B12 and D3, you just get to brush your teeth as normal. There's no swallowing of pills, no new habits to create, and no extra cost. Right now, you can try Better and Better's vitamin-infused toothpaste and any of their oral care products and save with this exclusive offer just for our listeners. Just use code REALITY at checkout for 20% off your first order. Visit betterandbetter.com to learn the science behind their toothpaste, their super clean ingredients, and shop. Don't forget you save 20% off your first order at betterandbetter.com 
with code REALITY at checkout. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Rothy's. Have you ever seen someone wearing a colorful pair of flats and thought, dang, those are cute? Well, they might have been Rothy's. Rothy's are the perfect shoes for commuting and traveling. Everybody notices them. They're known for their chic pointed toe flats, but that's just the beginning. They have tons of iconic head turning designs with bright and sophisticated colors. Plus, Rothy's works great with every outfit. Wear them with yoga pants or dress them up for a night out. They're insanely comfortable, more like a slipper than a shoe. And as you take your first step, you'll think, ah, that's more like it. And Rothy's takes sustainability to the next level, which you guys know is really important to me. All of their products are knit with thread made from plastic water bottles, and they've repurposed over 125 million water bottles so far. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me rave about my white Rothy's sneakers. They are my favorite sneaker to date. They're extremely comfortable. I feel like my feet are like breathing in them. I can dress them up, dress them down. I actually have two pairs because I wear them that much. I love them and I know that you guys will too. They're more than comfort. They're super chic too. Your new favorite shoes are waiting. Discover the versatile styles that you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash reality. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash reality for $20 off your first order. Hi guys, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian, parent educator, and mom. And this is the Meaningful Living Podcast, here to make parenthood and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. We bring on all our favorite experts and friends and answer all your questions. And ours. To break it all down into the simple and reliable tools, tricks, and answers. We get into the real side of it, parenthood, relationships, you name it. So join us every Monday at Meaningful Living, that's meaningful with two L's, for conversations that will leave you feeling way more confident. It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours. And so the idea that we go into marriage and we're afraid to talk about divorce, knowing that there is the possibility we don't want we don't want that to happen because we commit in that moment um and i'm a marriage loving divorce attorney so like i want marriages to work you're remarried congratulations yes, you I, just got remarried again <laughs> she believes in marriage y'all <laughs> i do i believe in marriage and i think it comes in lots of different shapes and forms and we all learn and grow together and that's what it's supposed to be but you know that communication and that understanding is so critical to everyone's success. And even if like, I always get the question my entire career, what about prenups? Like, what if we don't have anything? Should we have a prenup? Um, and I always like, my, my brain immediately jumps to, okay, well, do you know what's going to be going on in 20 years? Do you know what's going to be going on in 10? Um, and 10 to 13 years is kind of a sweet spot for divorce in 20 years. I don't see a lot of seven-year itches. I see a lot of 10 to 13 year pain. So for whatever that's worth, I think about like, I have health insurance. I have car insurance. I have a life insurance disability. I mean, like, but we don't do a prenup. We don't have marriage insurance. So, you know, we just assume that two people are going to work as hard and want to stay in it for as long as they can. Whether you have a prenup 
is up to you. But the reality is, is if you're afraid to talk about a prenup, that means you're afraid to talk about the possibilities of what might happen down the road and how you're going to handle the conflict when things get rough, how you're going to handle money decisions, because you are literally going into business with another human. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't care whether you sign a prenup, but if you're afraid to talk about it, I just did a panel, like literally like two weeks ago, I did a panel uh, for women because women don't like to talk about money. And one of the um, guests in the audience, she said, how do I bring up a prenup? Mm. I was like, sister, if you're afraid to bring up the idea of a prenup, then you're afraid to talk about the hard stuff. And let's talk about the hard stuff now before things really get hard. So, yeah. Because things will get hard, yes. you know, in marriage. I think that I had a really successful marriage, a marriage in which like we rarely ever fought. Rarely. Like we were golden. But those hard conversations and hard things do present themselves. We did not have a prenup. And I I don't know how we could have had one because neither of us had anything when we first got together and then we built an empire together. And thankfully, the state of California is a good state to get divorced in. Um, but, and I'll be okay and he'll be okay and everything, you know, and we are, we're amicable. Like I thank God for my situation that like so far, even though there's been a lot of pain, like we are amicable. We agree on most things. There's no like nasty custody battle or anything of that nature. It's just like, this is the way that's going to be. Okay, great. Okay, great. And you know, we're, we're moving on and I hope that it stays that way. But again, you never know. But you cannot control that, right? Yeah, you I mean, can't. you cannot, you can't, you can't control it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and a lot of times when we see the most change in the domestic world is when another partner comes in, when there are blended families, you know, you assume that whoever his next partner is will be somebody that you think is a respect. Oh, I do not assume that. I mean, I do not assume that, honey. There is no, 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 no. Nope. I do not assume that. Well, I mean, <laughs> a prenup can't address any of those things anyway. Can't fix that. Yes. Yeah. No, it can't. The prenup, it can help define the steps in the event of a separation. It yeah. can keep you out of a courtroom. And I like that idea. I like the idea that we reduce conflict yes. at a time when there is no conflict. Mm-hmm. So you know, and the other thing is, is you don't know, like when you got married, did you know that you would end up in the state of California? Because it's not where you get married. It's where, where you, you get live divorced. when you get divorced. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't know where you're going to go when the prenup can sort of set that up for you. Again, I don't really care whether people sign prenups. I just want them to be able to say, I had the conversation. We talked about conflict. And, I mean, there's no commitment on what that conversation is going to look like down the road, but you know, I always get the question. So it's worth mentioning. Oh, I think it's really important. Yeah. And, you know, and there are certain things that I'm going to have to fight for, which is life insurance and all of these, you know, things. And, and so it would have been nice to, to have had one, but it is the way that it is. And mm-hmm. I'm just grateful that I have like a partner who so far has been good about all of this major transition. Sounds like it's a better season than you had hoped. Oh, than many. Yes. Good. 
I want to go back to what you said about not saying I'm sorry. So instead of saying I'm sorry, what would you like people to say? Or what do you think is more helpful? Oh, there's so many things and you can brainstorm with me. When I had that moment, when I was like, this is the last person that's going to tell me, I didn't want to feel like a victim. I'm not, I don't Mm -hmm. feel like a victim. And so I, you know, it's about mindset and perspective. Thank you for sharing. That's really vulnerable of you. Can I pick you up to go to a game? (laughs) How about a a movie Mm -hmm. night? Um, Anything, but I'm sorry. And, and then, and what it does feel like is, you know, the, the other time that we are triggered often to say, I'm sorry, is death, right? Like it's condolences. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm sorry, your marriage didn't work out. And I don't know, you ha- you'll have to try this after you go through your divorce, you'll have to try saying, I'm not married because no one says they're sorry if you say that you're not married, but they will say mm-hmm. that they're sorry if you say you're divorced. Isn't that interesting? It's definitely an interesting, it's an interesting shift. Like, I think for me, I don't mind it so much on like to the stranger that, you know, it's just like, you know, I'm so sorry. That doesn't bother me. But if you're close to someone or you have a relationship with someone that is anything beyond just, you know, surface level, yeah, some solution would be great because until you've been through this, you don't realize how absolutely grueling it is. That episode that I recorded on my closet floor was one of many moments over the last several months where I found myself literally in fetal position, like hyperventilating, crying. I mean, because it does feel like a death. Like there are parts of me that are absolutely being exposed, parts of me that are dying, parts of me that are shifting, that are changing, that are being presented with like enormous challenge. And it hurts. It's hard. I mean, being a single mom, I had a meltdown the other day because where I just reached my emotional pain threshold. I had it today, this morning. Um, and my boyfriend got to see that. That was the first time. And I'm sure he really enjoyed it. Um, (laughs) but I had one of these moments where I literally both, it had been a super long day. My littlest is autistic. It was just like nonstop uh, screaming and sensory issues. And she needed me. And I finally get both kids to bed and I ended up getting my period. And so on top of all of that, I was like hormonal and there was so much going on and the dishes were piled up and it was just me. And I knew I had to do it all over again tomorrow morning. And my period started and I had no tampons and no pads. And I lost it over the fact that I no longer have a partner here where I can just run down to the store and go and get a pack of tampons. I like that sent me over the edge. And so I know that so many of us, especially living in the world that we live in today are like tapped out and at our max and all of the things. And I know that I am too, but I also know that the way that I get through that is through service. 
is through being of service to other people. Like that really helps me in my life. And I'm of service to so many. And what I need right now is to allow myself to be helped, which is one thing that I really have a hard time with because I'm like, I'm going to do it myself, girl. That was the other day a bench was delivered that needed to be built um, for my house. And I asked my boyfriend to carry it in. And like five minutes later, he comes back in and I'm like, I've got all the tools out and I'm doing it. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I would build the bench for you. And I go, I don't need you to build the bench for me. I'm going to build the bench myself. (laughs) You know, like I'm that type of person, but it's like, I need help. Like I need you to offer to pick up my kids from school. I need you to offer to like grab me a coffee if you're at a Starbucks and you're running back up the street. I need you to like ask me if I need groceries if you're at the grocery store. I'm drowning right now between work and kids and moving and and putting them in a new school and setting up doctor's appointments for my autistic daughter and carrying the weight of the world of all of these things on my shoulder. And it's like, yeah, I don't need, and I'm sorry, I need like, what can I do to help you right now? So one of the things that I've done, because I feel your pain, I've lived it. I totally get it. And I'm in with sisterhood, okay? So I got you. So this was like one of those moments after my divorce where I could totally relate at a whole nother level with my clients too, you know? Yeah. I have a law firm where our headquarters, where our main office is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so when, um, when I became a mom... Uh, a year later, I was starting this law firm. And one of the things, and so that's just continued. Now we're, I think there were 23 lawyers now. And uh, we're in a few different, um, we're in a few different uh, states around here. But I would carry these books with me. They're like these orange books. And I have two a year. And if, (laughs) and if you look at them, this is my coping strategy. I would like make my list. And then I would boot boxes. And then if I couldn't get to it, <laughs> they would go to the next page. To the next day. Yeah. But by the end of the week, if I never got to it, it wasn't important. And I let it fall off. Oh, I love that. Because you just prioritize or you delegate or, you know, you have to figure out what's important. And the reality is like, we don't prioritize the stuff that we don't want to do. So you can uh, delegate, you can do it yourself. Or you can just let it go. And when I was first separated, a friend said to me, today, give yourself a break from all of it. Just take a break. And the idea of taking a one-day break for a working parent going through divorce, which is a full-time job. And I was thinking of you when you're in the closet. I was thinking, she's in the fog right now. Because it is a serious fog when you're in those initial stages and you will have, you know, I call it the roller coaster of freedom and grief. Like you'll, and, and it could be in the same minute, it could be in the same hour, but you will have that roller coaster when you're down and you're in that grief sets in and you're in the fog. Like it is a scary place and figuring out how to not feel like you're drowning is like, it's some of the best advice. And having that coping strategy. So your coping strategy is I need like, I need acts of service. Right. But what else do you do? What do you do when you're down? Have you figured it out yet? 
I have, and I'm so grateful for the last decade of recovery under my belt that I have these coping skills and I will share with everybody what they are in a second. But I just want to say like, if we have meal trains for when you have surgery or a baby (laughs) or a death in the family, why can't we have meal trains for divorced moms? (laughs) Please someone set up a meal train for me and deliver dinner to my house. A home-cooked meal. I don't know the last time I cooked a home-cooked meal. I don't know when the last time I ate a home-cooked meal because there's just no time. And I would love your lasagna. Please bring me a vegetable lasagna. I will eat it. You know, bring me a pot of mac and cheese for all I care. If it's not from McDonald's or, you know, Cheesecake Factory or Sharky's, like I'm here for it because I'm telling you, it's like there is just no time. diet. There's no time. I cook yes. for my kids. You forget you yeah, have eaten. I cook for my kids. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, I got to feed myself. And so I'm like, you know, rushing to, you know, grab a freaking taco plate <laughs> from Shark. No, so I, I don't know. I liked my divorce diet. It was probably one of the few things that I appreciated when I got out. I was like, oh, all of these clothes. Oh. <laughs> they all, they all fit. <sighs> yeah, I... That's not my experience. My experience is I'm like door dashing cinnamon raisin bagels and like strawberry cream cheese to my house because like that's what I'm craving right now. We have different coping skills. So I'll tell you, I mean, I've had the last 11 years of work and I'm so grateful that I'm not carrying my childhood trauma. I am a little bit like there are things, patterns that I was already aware of that are absolutely being illuminated through this whole thing. A hundred percent. But I'm so grateful that I'm not carrying 30 years of trauma through a divorce. Like, no. That takes practice and work. It's like a constant evolution, right? So much. Yeah. And there have been a number of books and podcasts and things that have helped me. And some of these things are like super spiritual and like doing the work. And some of them are just like blasting Alanis Morissette, driving down the freeway and just rage screaming in my car. Sometimes you have to do that. (laughs) And sometimes it is reading, you know, the Buddhist monk Mm -hmm. Pema Chodron, her book, you know, The Places That Scare You. Sometimes it is listening to, you know, Brene Brown's podcast with Glennon Doyle and listening to her thoughts on untamed. Sometimes it's listening to untamed. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it's, you know, I have a really strong daily practice. And so um, I think that that keeps me afloat, you know, and regular exercise and all the things that I do. But yeah, sometimes it is saying, fuck this. And when the kids are away, instead of cleaning up the house and doing all the things that I want to catch up on, it's laying in bed in a fetal position, watching Netflix and binging a box of C's candy. Sometimes it's all of the things. I think that as long as you're not harming yourself or others with your behavior, you're golden. And so for me, it's like, I'm very clear on what those things are. And it's not just like the normal, like drinking or using drugs or self-harm or eating disorder behavior that like I have recovered from. It is like acts of like aggression or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all of these different things. I just have to be really mindful of like my behavior and where I'm at and like gauging my internal temperature and knowing like what I do and do not have capacity for. So those are choices that you get to make, right? Yeah. So how you respond to other people's behavior because that other person's behavior 
is uh, part of that process too. And I think when people go through divorce, that's one of the things that it becomes really frustrating that you cannot control the narrative, like the perspective of both, especially when you share children, what was an acceptable behavior before you separated is apparently no longer an acceptable behavior. And, you know, I say the people we marry are not the people we divorce. Mm. They're going, they're they're just not going to be the it's oh, not right. the same and it's because yes. they're triggered and they're going through so much and they're, you know, it's like, and it's just such an adjustment, like not calling them babe anymore, not doing, and it hurts. Like it's so much, it's so much of an adjustment. Well, I just wanted, I thought, you know, I wanted to, and everybody handles things so differently. I really, my expectation when we separated was that we were so good at things, some things together. We really were. And um, that we would be able to continue those things that were great. And I would, you know, we would, we would end the things that weren't great. Mm. That is not how it, it went down. Nope. <laughs> so, you know, no, no, no. Uh, so now I have to learn new coping mechanisms to stay healthy, but his coping mechanisms are completely different than mine. Yeah. So you know, to each our own, but really being careful and recognizing what yours are. And a lot of people don't even think of it. I mean, there were days where I just knew I did not want to exercise, but I needed that good chemical to reach mm-hmm. my brain, you know? So that, that chemical in your brain, when you're out of breath, and uh, you just did, you know, a sprint or you did 10 push-ups, or you did something that really clears yeah. your head. And like my kids, my kids, I wouldn't, I didn't want my kids to see me cry. Mm. Um, and so they literally, I think they've seen me cry probably five times. And I don't know what it was. I just decided that, you know, when my mom got divorced and I was old enough, like I was too involved in it. I remember her just being such a mess. Yeah. And like, I felt like I needed to take care of her and then I would get shut out from it because I wasn't old enough. Like, I just thought I'm never going to let them see me hurt because they want will want to take care of it, you know? Well, let's talk about that because I think that there's a distinction here that's really important. I too had a mom who was completely dysregulated and a mess after all of the things that she was going through, the various traumas of her life. And I absolutely became the caretaker. And there, there is a distinct difference between that and how I respond to my kids when they see me cry. So my kids have seen me cry. I let them see my whole range of emotions. And when they do see me cry, the, the conversation goes something like this you know, tears are really healthy for us. It's a way for us to release stress hormones. They're actually in our tears. Isn't that cool? And they'll say, yes. And I'll say, you know, sometimes we just have really big emotions that come up and it can be really difficult. And the good news is mommy has these tools like breathing and going on a walk, um, pausing to drink some tea, watching a silly show. I have all of these tools. So that way the tears don't become too much. 
and they do go away. And so I'm trying to model for my kids that like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have these emotions. It's okay to feel all the things you're doing. And mommy's got it. Like I've got my own, you know, ways of healing this and I don't need you to do it for me. And sometimes we cry together and sometimes, you know, my kids cry and I get to go, Oh, remember those tools? What are some of the tools that you use when you're feeling these big emotions? Do you just need to cry it out? You can cry it out. Like it's okay. Or we can go into our toolbox and use one of the many things that we, you know, know how to use to cope. And so I'm trying to teach them like healthy coping skills right now. And that's not, it's not easy. One of my biggest things that I never wanted was do not fight in front of the kids. Don't fight in front of the kids. Do your very best. Evan and I have not been perfect at that, but they've never seen us like scream at each other in front of the kids. I don't even think Evan and I have ever, maybe one time we screamed at each other, but that was way before the divorce ever happened. But since we're talking about kids, I'd love to know like what your advices on explaining divorce to kids and how to navigate and take the next steps to ensure that the kids are all right. The first thing that I really would encourage is to love your children more than you dislike their the other parent. And if you're thinking to yourself, should I do this? Or how is that going to feel to them, to me, to that other person? Uh, ask yourself that question. Do I love them more than I hate him or her and them? Because often you know the answer to what your behavior should or shouldn't be, but it's hard to get past your own emotions. It's very hard. There have been some times where I just wanted to like, let him have it. Yes. Or, you know, I'll tell you this. April was a really tough month for both of us. Really tough. Yes. He moved out of the house and we had had this plan that while he got his own apartment, that he was going to slowly transition out of the house. That didn't happen. Over Easter weekend, he went to Coachella after we said that we were going to do every holiday together, at least for the first couple of years. That didn't happen. It took every ounce of my being to get through Easter and not say, your dad's a real dickhead (laughs) for leaving me with two kids who are crying. Where's daddy for two kids who are going through it right now to harbor all of my own rage and anger and pain and theirs and play the fucking Easter bunny. (laughs) I wanted to lose it. I wanted to lose it. All of the things. And I don't believe that he's a piece of shit. I don't believe that he's a dickhead. I don't believe any of those things. I really felt like he was though in that moment. And I'm so glad that I kept my composure because it took everything in me not to let the kids know the truth. I I lied and said that he was in school that weekend. I regret lying. I shouldn't have done that. But I, I did because I wanted to like shelter their pain. And I was fucking pissed. Fucking pissed. But you loved them more than I you, loved you did them a good job more though. than I, I hated tough. him in that moment. And I don't hate him yes. ever, but like, oh, I was the amount of strength <laughs> it took, Nicole, for me to get through that was next level. Yes. So I would say 
always have that forefront of your brain. And then, you know, I would always recommend having a therapist that is age appropriate. Yeah. Um, it's a really hard time to get in with a therapist right now for kids and adults. And, uh, but go ahead and have a person as a backup, establish a relationship. I mean, I wanted to establish relationships with therapists before I separated because I knew my kids were going to have to go through some stuff just in life, yeah. not in, um, I mean, I didn't, nobody gave that, me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think part of the reason that I ended up getting divorced was because I didn't have great experience um, and didn't have a good understanding of what was going on with me because I would rather solve other people's problems than my own. Mm. So I love advocating for other people. So advocating for myself and sitting down and processing what was going on with me was like an impossibility at the time. So I, even before I separated, I wanted to have established relationships with counselors because that's what they're trained in. And there's only so much I can read and learn but I wanted to get it right. And so I would say that that would be my second piece of advice. The third would be if you have a high conflict situation. Well, I mean, hell, I'd say even if it's not high conflict, you want to make it easy for teachers and coaches and physicians and nurses or whatever it is to communicate with both parents because they're going to probably need both parents' consent on certain things And so I always recommend having a joint email account where you both have username and password credentials and you use that for all communications for anything that you would want to both know about. Oh, that's brilliant. So what I like about it is that like it prevents the extra text message that says, hey, I signed up for blank or I paid the uninsured, whatever, whatever. Or the teacher sends a, I'm concerned about, you know, this student, this is what happened. So you're automatic, like you're, are you both getting noticed at the same time? That has been a really great way to um, make sure that everybody stays on the same page. And you don't have to have that extra line of communication. It's just less of this. When you're thinking about what the next step looks like when you're thinking about what a parenting schedule looks like. And I use the word parenting schedule interchangeably with custody and visitation. Um, I don't love the word custody and I hate the word visitation because it sounds like ownership to me. And both parents, I mean, they're parents, right? You're you're parents. So when you're thinking about a parenting schedule, it is never going to be perfect. You can't bank on somebody being interested in flexibility. And so think about, you know, it used to be that parenting schedules ended uh, on, and exchanges were on Sundays. And we don't see that very much anymore. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it's more often a Monday. It's a school day. It's the end of a camp. It's the end of, so that one, that the child doesn't have to say goodbye to one parent and hello to another, because you've got the possibility of some loyalty behind issues. So they're not going to want to see, um, have to say goodbye and hello. Like it's an uncomfortable situation, not only for the kids, but the parents and, and, you know, parents have feelings too. So when you're trying to think of what that looks like, think about what days would work best. And then also think about what holidays are important to you. So I thought certain holidays were really important to me until I felt like I was competing with um, the other parent. Uh, And so I created new holidays. 
Oh, I <laughs> love that. You know, we get to make of it what we want. And, you know, I don't know. There's are some of the choices that you make. Also remember family reunions and maybe new traditions that you want to start. So think about those things when you're creating the parenting schedule. I so. that. Well, I am so grateful for you sitting down with me today. Your book, Please Don't Say You're Sorry, is out now. And where can people find your book and follow along with you? Thanks. Uh, NicoleSedoma.com is the site. That's the handle on all of social media is at Nicole Sedoma. And um, it's Amazon, Barnes Noble, all the bigs. In the book, at the end of each chapter, there's a list of um, some tips and uh, some questions. I call it the tough questions because, you know, from the marriage loving divorce attorney, I really think that, you know, if you go into it open eyed, that you have a better chance of success. And so about the first half of the book is about marriage and those contemplating separation and what they should expect. I keep hearing that it's a book about divorce, but I don't see it as a book about divorce. I see it as a book about the process of relationships and knowing what to expect if you did end up on the other side so that we make better decisions on the front end. So, and it's just been such a journey and I'm so, I'm so grateful for meeting you and being a part of yours. So thank you. Thank you. This week's affirmation is, I am worthy of being loved just for who I am. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 